the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. What did Jesus say to us? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be his disciple, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross every day. And listen, please give me your attention. To deny yourself is not the same as self-denial. Self-denial is what you do when you're dieting. You've heard it many times. Take up your cross daily, but what does it mean? Put another way, you are to deny yourself daily. In today's message, Pastor Dan explains how denying yourself is not the same as self-denial. This is not to say that both don't have value when the goal is self-important. You have practiced self-denial many times, whether you know it or not, but to become one with Christ, you must deny yourself. The key to this is that you must make the decision to put God first in everything you do. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 27 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Mankind is rebellious and does not want to be under God's authority or God's laws or God's rules. We see this playing out in our culture. Man wants to be his own king. Man wants to make his own rules and be his own authority. And please do not think that mankind is any better today or any kinder today than they were. Mankind mocks Jesus. Mankind beats up Jesus, so to speak, to this day. And if given the chance, man would beat Jesus with a stick if he were here. You know, Isaiah 53 says that Jesus is despised and he's rejected. And we've seen that first he was despised and rejected by the Jews, and now he's despised and rejected by the Gentiles. And so that brings us to verse 31. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own clothes back on him. Remember, he's been scourged and his body's covered with lacerations. And so you can imagine the, just the pain of taking off that robe and putting his own clothes back on with his body covered with lacerations. And now they lead him away to be crucified. You know, the, the Romans, just to give you some background on, on crucifixion, the Romans often would hang a sign around the neck of a condemned person stating their crime and then nail that sign up on the cross above them 
so that everybody would know why they're being crucified. And that seems to be the case here with Jesus. A person condemned to die by crucifixion usually did not carry an entire cross. I know that's how it's often pictured in artwork with Jesus carrying the, you know, the whole cross, but they usually only carried the, the horizontal piece or the cross beam of the cross. And what the Romans would do is they would lay that cross beam on the shoulders across the back of the neck of the condemned person and then tie their arms to the cross beam. And so they had this cross beam which usually weighed, you know, 75 to 150 pounds. They've got this thing kind of balanced on their shoulders with their arms tied to it in, in kind of this position. The Romans also liked to tie a rope to the ankle of the condemned. So as they're walking through the streets under the weight of this crossbeam, they could yank their legs out from under them, causing them to come crashing down on their face on their chest, unable to put their hands down to break their fall. Interestingly, Edersheim in his commentary points out that the high priest would have a rope tied to his ankle when he entered the Holy of Holies to apply blood for the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people. And Jesus is our great high priest who atones for our sins with his own blood. And so Jesus now is on his way to be crucified. He's he's bearing the cross. And what did Jesus say to us? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be his disciple, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross every day. And listen, please give me your attention. To deny yourself is not the same as self-denial. Self-denial is what you do when you're dieting. To deny yourself means you put self to death and you put Christ first. You deny your plan, your desire, your agenda for your life for Christ. And you take up your cross daily, Jesus said. Every day you take up the cross. If you saw someone walking through the streets of Jerusalem, carrying a cross, bearing their cross, you knew they were going to die. And that may be all you know about them. And you don't need to know anything else about them. But you know they are on their way to death. And Jesus tells us we have to take up our cross every day which means we have to put self to death every day and put Christ first. And Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's not optional for a disciple. It's mandatory to take up your cross and put self to death every day. And so here's Jesus now. He's bearing his cross. He's on his way to the place of crucifixion. Verse 32 tells us, as they came out, so as they come out of the praetorium, on their way to the place of crucifixion, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Jesus was unable to carry his cross, likely because he was so weak from the scourging, he's lost so much blood, and because of the beating 
he's received. He's just unable to bear the cross. And so the Roman soldiers compelled Simon, who was from Cyrene, to carry the cross of Jesus. Now, the Roman soldiers could compel anyone to do a task for them. They could just walk up to you on the street and put their sword on your shoulder and tell you, you have to carry this load for me. And you have a choice, either do it or they're going to kill you. And here's this guy, Simon of Cyrene. He's compelled to carry the cross of Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, remember Jesus said, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him, what? Two miles. He was talking about the Romans. If a Roman soldier comes up to you and compels you to carry a load for him, a mile, go with him two miles. So in the second mile, you can tell him about Christ, right? And so here's Simon. He's from Cyrene. That's important. Cyrene is in North Africa near Tripoli. He likely came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And he's heading into the city in the morning, maybe to go to the temple to witness the morning sacrifice, which many Jewish people did during the Passover. They go in the morning to witness the morning sacrifice and to worship at the temple. But now he suffers this this terrible turn of events, at least in his mind. He's forced to carry the cross for a condemned man. And it's likely that cross has blood on it because Jesus was scourged. And because it has blood on it now, Simon would become ceremonially unclean for carrying the cross of Jesus and unable to participate in the Passover celebration. And so in Simon's mind, this is awful. He's traveled all the way from North Africa to attend this celebration. This is a wasted trip to Jerusalem now. He spent all that money to travel there. He's taken time off from work. He's made that long journey. And this disqualifies him from participating in the feast. He might as well go back to his hotel and pack up his stuff and just go home at this point. But this caused Simon to encounter the Son of God, Jesus Christ. What he thought was terrible, what he thought was awful, actually brought him face to face with Jesus Christ and the cross. Something he didn't expect to encounter that day. Like many of us here, we weren't looking for Jesus when we encountered him. We were just going about life, going about our business, doing our thing when we encountered Jesus Christ and the cross. And maybe for some of us, we were kind of caught by surprise. By Maybe someone shared the gospel with us, or maybe someone invited us to church and we heard the gospel. Maybe we heard a message on the radio, or maybe we saw something on television, whatever it may be. We were confronted with Jesus unexpectedly, confronted with the gospel, confronted with the cross. And Simon is confronted with Jesus and confronted with the cross. And we don't know the rest of Simon's story. We don't know if after he got to the place of crucifixion, did he stay Did he watch Jesus die? Did he begin to connect the dots? Did he understand what was happening? We don't know for sure if Simon became a believer in Jesus Christ after this encounter. But here's what we do know. If you're taking notes, there's a couple verses that you might want to jot down. The first one is Mark chapter 15, verse 21. Mark 15, 21. 
The second verse is Romans 16, verse 13. Romans 16, verse 13. In Mark 15, 21, that's Mark's account of this. Mark makes a point to tell us that Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And why do we need to know that unless it's important? Well, in Romans chapter 16, verse 13, Rufus is mentioned. Paul says in Romans 16, 13, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. And so we know that Simon's son, Rufus, became a believer in Jesus Christ, along with Rufus's mother, which would be Simon's wife, right? Track him with me. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. So we know that Rufus and the wife of Simon became believers, and they're part of the church in Rome. Now, Simon lives in Cyrene. He lives in North Africa. He doesn't live in Rome. But it's believed that possibly that Simon and his family all became believers in Jesus Christ and may have become missionaries to Rome. And they're living in Rome. They're serving the church in Rome. And Paul says, greet Rufus and his mother, and she's my mother in the sense of she's been like a, like a mom to me. And they're there serving and ministering in Rome. So I can't say for sure if Simon's a believer, but you can file that away for heaven, right? When you get there, just kind of look around. Is there anyone here from Cyrene named Simon who has a son named Alexander and a son named Rufus? I wouldn't directly ask about it just in case he's not a believer. That would be awkward, right? <laughs> Look at verse 33. When they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a skull, verse 34, they gave Jesus sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Jesus was crucified at a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, The Latin name for Golgotha is Calvary. And sometimes people will ask me, what does Calvary Chapel mean? Well, Calvary is where Jesus was crucified. It's the same as Golgotha. And so the name Calvary Chapel, it literally means skull chapel. I think that sounds pretty cool. (laughs) And I think we should consider changing the name of the church. And we could change that little dove logo maybe into a skull, all in favor of changing (laughs) to skull chapel. So now when your friends ask you, where are you going to church now? I go to skull chapel. And they're going to think you're in a cult, right? They probably already think you're in a cult, but. 
So the place where Jesus was crucified was known as Golgotha, the place of the skull. It was known as the place of the skull, not because the hill resembled a skull, but because it was the place of execution. It was the place of death. Just like today, we have the skull and crossbones, right? A symbol of death. When Jesus arrived at the place of crucifixion at Golgotha, he was offered sour wine mingled with gall to drink. This was a narcotic that was offered to victims to sedate them so that they wouldn't suffer as much or feel as much while on the cross. And notice that Jesus refused to drink it. He could drink it, but he chose not to drink it. He would not sedate himself, choosing rather to fully experience the suffering of the cross for us. Verse 35 says, then they crucified him and they divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. So before Jesus was hung on the cross, before he was crucified, he was stripped naked. Just think about what this is telling us. The Roman soldiers would strip people naked before crucifying them to further humiliate them. Crucifixion was designed to inflict the maximum pain and maximum humiliation. This is why Paul writes in Philippians 2, speaking of Jesus, he says, Jesus made himself of no reputation. Remember, he's God. He was in heaven, in glory, in majesty, in honor, and he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, leaving heaven, coming down to the earth, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death. But Paul says not just any death, even the death of the cross, the most humiliating death. And here is the Son of God. Here is God incarnate, come down from heaven to the earth. He becomes a man. And he allows himself not only to be crucified, he allows himself to be stripped naked, to be stripped even of his clothing, and then nailed to a cross. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross, despising the shame, despising the humiliation that it required. Just think about this. God coming down as a man, Jesus Christ, allowing his creation to crucify him, allowing his creation to put him to death, to nail him to a cross, to spit in his face, to mock him, and allowing his creation to strip him naked and gamble for his clothes and hang him naked on a cross. Now, Luke's gospel tells us Luke's gospel tells us, Luke chapter 23, verse 34, that as the Roman soldiers stripped him naked and as they nailed him to the cross, that Jesus kept praying over and over, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the Greek indicates he prayed it over and over as they're ripping his clothes off of his body. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
as they're laying him on the cross and nailing in those nails. Father, oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. First Peter chapter two says of Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus prayed for those who mocked him, who spit in his face, humiliated him, stripped him naked and crucified him. And he prays for them as they're doing it, as they're crucifying him. And Jesus told us to do the same thing, right? Pray for our enemies. Matthew chapter five. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's what Jesus did. Again, verse 35 tells us this dividing up of the garments of his clothing and casting lots, you know, you know, rolling dice to see who gets to keep his stuff. This actually fulfilled prophecy, Psalm 22, which was written more than a thousand years before Christ came. But even this detail that his garments would be divided among them and that his clothing would be gambled away Even that detail was predicted in the Old Testament. Then verse 36 says, sitting down, they kept watch over him there. These Roman soldiers, their job was to crucify those that were condemned to be crucified. And once the criminals were hanging on the cross, they just had to sit and watch and wait for them to die. You know what that's like. You probably have had a job at some point in your life where you were given a task, and once you completed that task, you could just, you know, look at your phone or whatever and and just wait. And for these Roman soldiers, their job was to put these guys on the cross and wait for them to die. They've got them up on the cross, and now they're just sitting and watching and waiting. In some cases, historically, we know it took several days for a person to die on a cross. And so for these Romans, and we know that's not going to be the case here, but other times when they're crucifying people, there may be, you know, shift changes for them. You know, you've got the group of Roman soldiers that are working seven to three, and then the second team comes in three to 11, and then 11 to seven. And you, hey, yeah, he's been, yeah, he's been up there for about eight hours, you know. And their job now is just to watch and wait for these guys to die. The way people died on a cross was actually through asphyxiation. They didn't die from the nails in their hands and in their feet. They usually suffocated slowly. And the reason they would suffocate is because of the way their arms were outstretched and their body was hanging down on the cross. It made it difficult to breathe. They couldn't get a breath. And so they would slowly suffocate. What the Roman soldiers would do is they would intentionally nail the feet of a person to the cross with their knees in a bent position. You've seen crucifixes before with Jesus on the cross and his knees are always bent. That's because the Romans would nail people with their feet, uh, with their knees bent in a bent position. And the reason they did that was so that the crucified person in this bent position, they could push themselves up on the nail that was through their feet so they could get a breath and then drop themselves back down. 
and then push themselves up again to get a breath and then drop back down. He asked me how I know and I say brings truer than the finest crystal. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. As you listen through this series, we encourage you to read on your own as well. There's so much to gain from spending time with God in His Word. You'd be amazed at what can be revealed to you in a personal way. Did you hear something today that struck a chord with you and you'd like to hear it again? No problem. All of the messages you hear on Ring of Truth can be found on our website. Go to calvaryec.com and search for these teachings under the Media tab. While you're there, you'll likely find and explore other series or teachings that sound interesting. Are you growing through this study in Matthew? We sure hope so. Another resource you might find useful is our podcast. You can subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast as another way to stay connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you each time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. If you're interested in learning more about the church that supports this radio ministry, our website has all the information you need about Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Come join us this weekend for worship and Bible study. Once again, that's calvaryec.com. Thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.